I do think the DC universe is sentient. He's actually said that he goes, I believe it is its own living thing. And I'm like, that is you, Grant Morrison. God bless I love you. it. <laughs> That's so but, cool. you know, at the end of this, I could get a knock on the door. Open. <laughs> Hi, I'm the DC universe. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, literally I've got like some chips, but I don't have much to give you. I got like, <laughs> So, mm. here, we, here we are, episode number 10, the last Merry show of the year. Merry Christmas! Yeah, or something like that. Well, I mean, I don't know. I had one. There was a Christmas. There was a I, Christmas. There, it's one of my favorite specials. I watch it every year. There was there a Christmas. Was a Christmas. <laughs> now, you know, it's, it's uh, the end of 2022. This has been a fun adventure. We plan to keep it going, right, Chad? Let's keep yeah. talking about stuff. I'm down. Um, yeah. I, I did get the cease and desist from James Gunn. He did say, stop talking about me, even though <laughs> <laughs> even though you seem fairly positive about my changes to the DCU. And I was like, all right, man. All right. What, whatever, dude. Whatever, dude, is so, what was my response. So you say that there, there hasn't been much. He's been kind of quiet over this past week as he should be i mean it's, it's the holidays, holidays. Yeah. come on but he did respond to a it's kind of funny by cbr was at comic book resources i think they posted a story saying oh, it looks like they're shutting down the green lantern show on hbo max and he just replied to it saying fake <laughs> <laughs> and they went sorry mr gunn and they took they deleted the tweet <laughs> sorry mr gunn absolutely yes. mr gunn we're very sorry mr gunn again being a little bit vague as to you know that's been the common thing now. And yeah. I mean, but we don't re I, I mean, we do want to know all that stuff at the same time. Do we expect them just to keep the entire world abreast of every change that happens? It's like, no. you'll see when we get there. Okay. Yeah. Everybody you'll see when we get there. Yeah. I mean, he really doesn't have to say anything at this point. I think he's just having fun. It seems like he's having fun <laughs> toying with people. I bet there's fun. And there's a lot of him going, Jesus. That, yeah. Yeah. Every day him sitting at his desk, just going like, all right, let's look at this. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, look at all the Twitter responses. Oh, good. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't envy him the gig. Uh, Oh, I do. But at the same time, (laughs) having to deal with us, having to deal with with fan um, anticipation, fan dream stuff. And it's just like, how can you please everybody? And he won't. He just won't. No, I, I no. still see. And I, I mean, yes, we're our our point of view is very well stated over the last ten episodes. But when I look on there, and there's still people going like, "This is what we could have had," like on Twitter, and there's like some shot from one of the Snyder movies and they're going, this is what we're going to get. And it's, then it's like something wacky from suicide squad. And they're like, it's like polka dot man. I going, great. This is who we have now. <laughs> like, okay. All right, guys. Everybody. How's everybody yeah. doing? Everyone calm. Everyone good. Yeah. Oh, I, anyway. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, the other thing he said too was somebody asked him, of all the people who must be tweeting at him now, he, he replies to this one. Somebody asked him, have you seen Doom Patrol? And if so, did you like it? And he just said, yes. Not yes <laughs> and yes. Or or no and yes and yes and no. Just yes. Oh, oh. So, oh. 
So yes to both or yes to one? I would assume yes to both. I, I, I mean, mean, I can I only... Because he couldn't like it and not have seen it. So. I certainly don't know. <laughs> I like it. I haven't seen it yet. Um, I can only assume based on, you know, our deep knowledge of the man. That, uh, it just seems that Doom Patrol would be totally... He, he gets it. And, oh, yeah. you know, plus, you can't really fault it for leaning so hard on the successful run of the comics it, it's very close to what the um not, i won't say classic doom patrol because classic doom patrol is silver age and all that craziness but that's a show that totally just said oh we're just going to do that that run we're going to do grant morrison's doom patrol so let's you know get as close as we can with the budget we have yeah which brings me that uh, one of our one of our viewers asked if we thought, one of our viewers, yeah, <laughs> you fool, <laughs> um, asked us if they if we thought that the the Grant Morrison's Superman and Batman uh, stories would be good. For, I saw uh, that. I saw that. Arkham Asylum. Yeah. yeah, I saw that, and I also read your reply. Um, I'm really glad you're running the social media aspect of this because I just, you know. <laughs> yeah. But no, your response was a, an enthusiastic yes. Do yeah. I love Grant Morrison's Arkham Asylum and All-Star Superman? Dude, All-Star Superman is one of the best Superman things that will ever be. I will say, to because you said yes to Arkham Asylum, I don't. Oh, really? For one specific that? reason. Okay. Nothing happens in it. Okay. In other words, it's a great character study, but all that happens in it is Batman shows up at Arkham Asylum because the Joker's taking it over. And along the way, as he wanders through, he's dealing with all those classic Batman villains who are incarcerated there. And it's like a little study of each one. Uh, and then it ends with him you know, beating the Joker again as the Joker torments him and, and does the, there was the big scandalous, is he doing like a gay come on to Batman? Oh no. Mm. Uh, and all kinds of stuff. Um, <laughs> I love Arkham Asylum, but there's not a plot there. Uh, you okay. could, I mean, you could tack on action sequences and so forth. But there's like, he meets with killer croc. He, he kind of best killer croc, but it's not really, there's there's no plot. Yeah. Still love it. And it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so I could see I could see him taking maybe the premise of it and maybe yeah, that, yeah, developing I mean, in a different direction. So you could that's usually I mean, what they do with these films. Yes. Um, I mean, because the, the the structure is a locked door it's not a locked door mystery. There's no mystery to it. But it is diehardish, as in one person against an entire building full of his enemies. So uh, you could do this very contained Batman story where he's in Arkham Asylum and has to run a gauntlet. That's you putting the action movie, you know, structure onto something that he did and use a lot of his characterizations because it was so well written. I mean, it's, it's that that stuff just is great. Mm -hmm. uh, he nails all the Maxi Zeus, you know, I'm like Maxi Zeus. We haven't seen him on film, but he's in the Ar Arkham Asylum, and he gets an interesting little bit. Obviously, Two Face. I want to see a Batman movie that has like the Rogues Gallery in it. You know, I mean, it instead of just like, oh well, I dealt with the Joker this time, and this time I'm dealing with the Riddler. 
Um, I do think they all need a proper introduction, but Arkham Asylum could be it if you did yeah. it that way. I mean, I was again thinking about the Suicide Squad and how he introduced it basically was a rogue gallery. It wasn't yeah. all of Batman's people, but still he, he said, here's a whole bunch of crazy characters. Yeah. Boom. All at once in one movie. And some are redeemable. Some are, I know. <laughs> I'm going to kill half of them, by the way. Uh, <laughs> he is very good about using social media and also about using uh, PR from the studio because I, I remember when the Suicide Squad's being, you know, was is coming out. The tease was just about how huge that cast was. And they did the poster that was every one of the characters that was like in little like squares. And he's just like going, uh, and the whole idea is like, yeah, don't get too attached. <laughs> His whole yeah, thing's like, right. they're not all going to make it out of this movie. <laughs> First, and, yeah. and it was a great, but that is, he again, zeroed in on the great gimmick of the suicide squad because the original, not the original comic again, the sixties version is nothing like what we know from the eighties of suicide mm-hmm. squad. But as far as the uh, idea, the very first issue of Suicide Squad was, it's like, for these guys, it's a matter of life and death or whatever. It's like, not all these guys are making it out of this comic. Similar deal. It's like, take all these, because, you know, for every great superhero in DC or Marvel, they have 85 lame-ass villains, because they have to make up so many more villains for the good guys. So it's like, hey, we have a clearinghouse of all these characters that no one cares about. Let's get rid of Kite Man. Of course, now Kite Man has been made part of the Harley and uh, Harley Quinn animated series. But in other words, there are all these wacky bad guys that they can just go, great, they get signed up to the Suicide Squad, and if they make it out of the mission, great, but we can also blow their head off if we want to. So I loved the way he did that movie where he introduces you to a whole team they all get wiped out you know it's like the javelin loses his javelin and he gifts it to harley quinn and she uses it for the whole rest of the movie i'm like i it's great i love it it's great and he kept rick flag kept going of all the characters he's the boring guy but he's the leader guy and Mm -hmm. i love rick flag uh, one of the only carryover characters from the classic 1960 Suicide Squad, which I had a trade that they put out a trade of those, by the way, the original Suicide Squad comics from the 60s when the movie came out, mm-hmm. just because I figured people will buy it because of the name. Not only, of course, is the storyline totally not like villains being hired or forced into service. It's just these five, four adventurers it's one of those sixties comics like challenges of the unknown. It was one of the most boring things I've ever read in my life. And I love silver age, but I was like, I think when, uh, was it John Ostrander is the guy who came up with the new take, which was the idea of Amanda Waller and bell reef prison and all the supervillains. I'm like, that's a brilliant thing. That's where they just like, we like the name. We're not keeping anything else. Oh, all right, we'll include Rick Flag for the old folks. Who like going, <laughs> I remember this nice gentleman, Rick Flag. He was the leader of Suicide Squad. He was boring, and um, and then they uh, did some with him. Uh, anyway, so yeah. uh, yes, I I think that guy again. I trust him. Uh, and as far as All Star Superman, I would also say to our our viewer, no. 
<laughs> yeah, well, he dies in it, right? That's that's that, that's well, a uh, yes. I mean, I, I and actually, like, I don't mind like that. A sunset you, story, yeah. yeah, a sunset story. I love that yeah. kind of stuff. The problem is, is that All Star Superman over the course of its twelve issues, it incorporates so much obscurity because Grant Morrison's like, I want to get into all of it. I want to pull in weird Silver Age ideas like the Twelve Labors of Superman, uh, and where he's like meeting Samson and Atlas, and it's but it's Grant Morrison's take on it. And every issue is so confusing, I would think, to those who are not diehard Superman fans, that it is just so wacky. I think, again, there's so many good storylines in uh, All-Star Superman that you could take one of those issues and you could. Turn yeah. it into a movie. Yeah. That's what I mean. I, I think, and we did, they, I, I did a little research and it doesn't surprise me. They actually know each other. That Grant Morrison and James Gunn have, have oh. hung out. Oh, I'm sure. There was, there's a really some great footage of, um, there was, you know, one of these conferences that was actually called Morrison con or something they had in, yeah. in Grant's. Yeah. Grant's he honor. has his own con. It's true. Yeah. Which is great. So he, and James Gunn was there for, this was a few years ago. And, I, I found first. I found an article where the two of them are talking. It's an article that somebody else put together, just a, basically a transcript of them, the two of them talking about stuff, and they, they're laughing about. And most of it was in the transcript was uh, James Gunn going, "Could you give me that again? I'm sorry, your accent. I yeah. What were you saying? Something about a goat? No, yeah, really thick I'm not exactly sure what you're. <laughs> um, they they were they were hearkening back to one of the the Morrison con that James participated in. I don't know if it was more than one, but they're sitting in this panel and they uh, James got into this good spirited, uh, good natured argument with Max Landis. Is that his name? The yeah. guy who directed uh, yeah. Chronicle. And and Max is going off, and this was a. Uh, it was either James or, or Grant, and this interview referred back to him as Max being very pedantic because Max had a problem. Was no, it's not a superhero story, and James kind of was like. Yeah, it is. Yeah, like, dude, it's not that. It's just a word. Why are you so hung up on this word? But it's very, very entertaining. They hug each other at one point. It's like it's okay. It's okay. And well, that's really sweet, considering that Max Landis turned out to be a big piece of human. Oh, really? I don't know what. What's the story with him? Uh a lot of uh, a bunch of uh, sexual thing. harassment. Yeah. Oh no. Claims. Okay, I didn't know that. Pretty, pretty awful. That said, I liked Chronicle a lot. I didn't and see before it. I, I, oh, really? You've never seen it? Mm. I do recommend I, it. It is a good yeah. Superman. I mean, Superman. It is a good superhero story, mm-hmm. a plain clothes superhero story, but it, it's really good. The problem is, is that apparently he is a privileged son of, you know, John Landis, and apparently his, he's an, a terrible person. Before I knew all that, like after I saw a Chronicle, I did look him up. And I don't know why he'd be so skittish about calling it that because the yeah. man's a, a huge comic nerd, mm-hmm. which and uh, I used to watch his YouTube videos where Max Landis would explain the death and return of Superman. Like he did a YouTube video, which is him for the layman breaking down the whole story of the death of, of Superman and the return of Superman. And he had because he knows all these famous actors. He had famous actors acting it out, but with like beach towels around their throats for capes and stuff and just shooting it in the backyard as if they're like eight year olds. But he's like going, and then doomsday is like, and they have a guy going, and that kind of stuff was fun. I was like, I like this guy. And then I'm like, Oh, Oh, I can't like you. (laughs) 
but Damn um it. all right yeah That's i'm fine. sorry but i i mean yeah i i uh say if you can watch it without supporting him by giving him any money <laughs> yeah <laughs> it is right. a good superhero movie but um yeah that that's a uh, would be an interesting panel though and i would uh kill cuz grant morrison for all of his freaky you know he's not the the mystic wizard that alan moore is but he's yeah, neil gaiman right yeah he's he's very much a carlos castaneda like i've taken so much peyote and <laughs> i'm i'm flying so his he but he shares with like a james gunn a nerdy deep abiding love and for a long time alan moore had the same thing but he is soured on the entire experience yeah but where you read a grant morrison comic whether it's his batman stuff or his current you know green lantern stuff it's just he doesn't need any of them to tell him anything he doesn't Mm -hmm. have to ask him like what's the name of that one guy that's shaped like a diamond and they go oh that's well no he already knows and he, he just loves it. All-Star Superman is the biggest love letter. And I just, I yeah. I would shake his hand just for that because it's amazing. I just think it'd be really cool if the two of them collaborated on something for, well, for film. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, it would like be. Like I said in that comment, I think they're uniquely suited for each other. And that just because of Grant's affinity for the wacky yes. stuff yes. that he brings in and gives it, you know, he treats it with respect the same way, that, well, in a similar way that James does anyway. So I, I think that'd be really cool. I do too. Um, and, and one thing I think, uh, Gunn would be smart enough by, and, uh, I hear rumors that Feige does something similar. They're just smart people that realize, okay, maybe th- we won't hire the actual comics writers to write the scripts. Let's keep Hollywood, Hollywood. But as far as, you know, uh, consulting, I mean, I have a yeah. feeling that Gunn would totally be the guy who says, mm-hmm. nobody knows this character better than this person, and I want to talk to them about their view on this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'd be paying. I would pay Grant Morrison for a consult. It's like, just come in and let's talk about uh, spitball what we can do. Not mm-hmm. not your craziest ideas, because Grant Morrison's craziest <laughs> ideas are just like, and then the entire universe is sentient, and it starts mm-hmm. talking to Kal-El, and he's like, oh, okay. Well, that is his thing. He's like I going, I honestly feel that enough people have put thought and love and energy into it over the, you know, almost century it's been around. He goes, I do think the DC universe is sentient. And he's actually said that. He goes, I believe it is its own living thing. And I'm like, that is you, Grant Morrison. God bless you. I love you. it. <laughs> That's so but, cool. But, you know, at the end of this, I could get a knock on the door. Open. <laughs> Hi, I'm the DC Universe. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> I I mean, literally, I've got, like, some chips, but I don't have much to give you. I got, like, <laughs> you're welcome to come in. This is like a studio, so there's not a lot of room. You can have a seat yeah. over there. We'll chat. Uh, Chad, if the DC Universe does show up at your place, will you let me know? I will. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. But one of the cool things in that, in that, that I hadn't heard of this title before. That was called We Three. Oh, you, oh, is, We and, Three, uh, man. Grant, That's going to make you cry. Don't read it. It's yes. Make yes. You well, cry. Grant says Grant says that he was crying while he was writing it. But, and James also reveals that somebody had approached him about actually developing it into a film. This is a while ago now. Mm-hmm. And Grant goes, Oh, you should, man, that'd be great. You know? So I'd love to, and they, they move on to something else. But again, that, that 
you can see it. James has an affinity for animal characters. We talked yeah. about the possibility of him doing Captain Carrot in the last episode. Right. Um, It'd and, be uh, the most gripping Captain Carrot you've ever seen. And maybe someone would die. Right. No, right. Alley Cat Dabra. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see this was a I, I hadn't seen this before when I was looking to see uh, find other people talking about Captain Carrot. Well, there isn't a lot. A lot of people on on YouTube talking about him. But there is a there is a robot chicken skit. Robot chicken skit. Uh, <laughs> of course, there's a robot chicken skit for everything now. Sure. Where Superman and Green Lantern and Batman go to Earth C to attend Captain Carrot's funeral, <laughs> and, <laughs> and there's some other members of his team are there, and they're all very sad. And Superman's like, "Look, I know you, this is strange, guys, but just just hang with me here. We got to take care of respects to Captain Carrot." And Green Lantern can't keep his shit together. He keeps laughing. At, at the, he sees the animals. He starts cracking up. Superman's yeah. like, you're being so disrespectful. It's it's like the 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 famous uh, Chuckles the Clown episode of Mary Tyler Moore, where it's all very extremely sad, but she just can't help it because it's Chuckles the Clown's funeral and she's cracking up. Yeah, right. No, I get it. That that would be interesting. I think that some of those '80s things um, they're not forgotten, but and they have brought, I think, during the Convergence crossover, which was the death of New 52, thank God, uh, right before Rebirth. I think that Convergence was their ex- excuse to, let's just bring obscure stuff back. And I think Captain Carrot made an appearance there you know, uh-huh. at, at one point. But it is, and of course, when, when Morrison did Multiversity, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, Multiversity, by the way, recommended. Which was just his, like, uh, I'm going to name all 52 of the DC Universe multiverses. And he, yeah, Earthsea is is represented. And every Earth you could think of, alternate versions. It's a lot of fun. And the, the storyline's crazy. And it's very Grant Morrison. But so, I mean, things like Amazing Man. Do you remember Amazing Man from DC in the 80s? No. Which was like a sweet sitcom superhero comic. Uh, Amazing Man is a basically ex lunatic asylum guy, but he's very sweet and he's very short, like almost like a little person, but he wears this costume. He has no powers. And it's just him hanging out with like a normal suburban couple. And they're like, Amazing Man, come on, dude. And it was adorable. It was great. There was a talking dog and all kind of stuff. Uh, so it was almost like a comic strip. But it would occasionally get serious. Ambush Bug. Ambush Bug's still around. And that was a crazy 80s DC thing. He was the pre-Deadpool because he was the DC character that knew he was in a comic. And he would address the reader, okay. look out of the panel and do stuff like that. Uh, and he would cross over with, you know, Superman and stuff. And he would say non sequitur weird things. And Superman would be like, I don't. OK, whatever. <laughs> yeah. OK, Ambush Bug. <laughs> Um, cause DC in the eighties really was not just trying to copy the Frank Miller stuff. I will say that they, they gave some very wacky and odd ideas a chance. And I wish they would kind of do stuff like that again, be a little more daring, like have comedy books, have funny animal, funny animal books, you know, all kinds of stuff. I'm basically telling them what to do now. Again, that's probably why they're going to knock on the door. Yeah. But we three is very, it's like uh, the incredible journey or one of those animal movies where three unlikely animals team up. Only you add in horrible military experiments 
and but they are sentient and you're reading their thoughts and there's sacrifice and nobility and it really since it's one contained story it could be a film i mean mm-hmm. it is beginning to end there's no second issue and it gets you right there man by the end you're just like <laughs> i love you guys <laughs> yeah it makes me so, think of um i'm trying to remember the name of the author who wrote watership watership down uh yeah Dogs. um adams right richard adams I know my mother read those books when I was a kid. I remember being kind of fascinated with them, but I don't, I remember seeing the cartoon version of Watership Down. And that's but, also, uh, you and Plague know. Dogs was about a similar sounding story of these two. Or I can't remember how many main characters, but they, they've escaped, uh, I think, a, a research lab. I can't mm. remember where they, it's, it's a really sad story. I remember my mom reading that, that book and crying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounds kind There's of There's also, me, yeah. uh, you know who Brian K. Vaughn is? He's the guy who created Why the Last Man. He did Ex Machina. Uh, he's been doing Saga. He has done superhero stuff, but mainly Brian K. Vaughn is courted by DC and Image and various. It's like he comes up with his stories and they're always completely contained. As in, he starts it, he ends it. He always has the end in sight, which I love because the idea of comics, unless you're Superman, you know, or those characters that just go on and on and on. Uh, Brian K. Vaughn does these very complete storylines, and he's such a good writer. He did one called uh, Lion, uh, no, Pride of Baghdad, which was just a graphic novel. It wasn't even, again, it wasn't multiple issues, but it was based on a true story of during the Iraq war, the Iraq zoo, one of the zoos was shelled and the animals escaped into like bombed out Baghdad. And so he wrote this graphic novel that's from the viewpoint of the lions that run out. So it's their thoughts and stuff as they're roaming this destroyed human city and they run across people who are survivors and so forth. And they're like, how are we going to survive? And, and again, it's very contained and it's all about the, you know, it's like they, you know, they're the most dangerous things. Man is, a horrible deal and, and and whatever but by the end of it again there's sad sacrifices dead animals and you're just like oh god why do you do this to me <laughs> it's like where wow. the red fern grows but with thought balloons ah! good stuff so yeah maybe uh we really need a grim and gritty captain carrot and the zoo crew movie <laughs> I, I don't know about that, but no, I want I, them I, all to, you know, sacrifice their lives I, for the betterment of the multiverse. But as far as Captain Carrot, I'm just fond of the idea of them doing, you know, like a Pixar yeah. kind of story that's actually connected canonically with the other stuff. I do like the gun. Yeah, I do like the fact, that, neat. Yeah, the fact yeah. that gun has said uh, and we'll see how well it works. But he said that he wants to combine it all that the video mm-hmm. games are going to come out with that the comics that the animated things uh he wants them all to be shared which is yeah which is what marvel's doing because marvel has what if um, and even sony i mean sony's one of the best superhero movies of the past decade is spider-man into the spider-verse and it is canonically tied into the MCU because this next one in the background, you see uh Toby Maguire, Spider-Man walking around. It's like, there is a multiverse of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So I just, I'm sitting there going, I love that. And plus the animation on that was so 
baller, so amazing. I kept thinking, why isn't DC like going, yeah, I mean, a Green Lantern animated thing like that would be amazing too. I don't necessarily need to have live action actors walking around. If it's that good, if you're going to be that amazing with your animation, all I need. So, yeah, yeah, I hope he's thinking along those lines. I'm sure he is. And Mm -hmm. being the guy who loves obscure stuff, it's not out of the realm of possibility. You could get an ambush bug, Captain Carrot or whatever the hell, because it's all it's all there for the Mm -hmm. taking. And they're great stories. You could take any of the most ludicrous characters and do something interesting with it. Like they turned Kite Man into a real character in that Harley Quinn series, which I'm not a huge fan of because it's a little too, we're edgy. But um, still, I'm like, yeah, you could redeem anybody. I was looking forward to Batgirl because, A, I love Batgirl, but Firefly, you know, Brendan Fraser was playing Firefly. That's the villain. I'm like, wow, Firefly. Did you see, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you did. We almost got into talking about this in a few of the recent episodes, the, uh, the Swamp Thing series, the short lived one season Swamp Thing series. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you think of that? I, you know, it wasn't quite what I wanted, but I appreciated it not being cowardly. In other words, they leaned into, they didn't go full on Alan Moore route they went more full on his original take, which was a horror comic. So I liked that because they're like, no, we're doing an R rated Swamp Thing show. And I was like, okay. Yeah. But they and didn't it go into it. I, I, I thought it was great. It was definitely, you know, you it was see. headed in the right direction, but yeah. it, it was also shut down so quick. Right. Like, yeah. Which is that's so all nice. you get. That's all that's you what get. It was, so, it was so exciting at the time because it was, I liked, I thought it was of all the sh- series that had been on TV, DC stuff so much better than any of the CW things. And I, th- I liked it better than more in Titans. I thought, I mean, I, I know doom patrol was good, but I thought it was better than doom, doom patrol just because it was, wow. It wasn't, it wasn't trying to bite off more. And doom patrol is like to, to me again, I, I, I was kind of, so you're not going to watch the next season. You're not going <laughs> to continue with the adventures of Danny, the street. I didn't like I, the first season. Anyway, I, the, the effects were so well, sure. crappy. Yeah. So, yeah. but, but one thing was a little bit more contained. But I thought it looked gorgeous. Uh, I thought the cast was it pretty good. good, and I like that they they actually did. Was it Alan Moore who came up with the idea of that that um, that Alan? What's is that his name? I'm trying to remember Alec. the Alec, Alec Holland. Holland, yeah. That Alec is is uh, in Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing only has his memories. Yeah that 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 was that, that was, was Alan, Alan Moore. That was actually yeah. like the very first few issues of Alan Moore's. In fact, it may have even been the very first where he's like going when he discovers the Alec Holland skeleton and he's like, Oh wait, I'm not Alec Holland. He's just, his memories live on in me. I'm a completely other being. Yeah. And they have that in the show. And I was like, that's so cool that they did that. Yeah. But they did stuff like, uh, I mean the TV kind of thing. It's like, Oh, Abby, uh, great. She's a cop. She's a, detective i'm like no i don't want to do that man okay i mean it's just like i i just like the that is such a tv thing like how do we explain why does she gets involved it's like well she oh. is the daughter of one of his villains so that's fine but trying to make her the and i understand they're like well she can't just be um uh a weird hippie chick girlfriend who gets in 
you know, Jeopardy. Oh no, save me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that kind of thing. But I'm like, yeah, it's just now she's a cop. <laughs> I get I get hung up on the littlest little things like that. I still enjoyed it, and I, I think it really was promising. Yeah, and I agree. Those shows that they were doing outside the CW that were meant only for uh, HBO Max uh, were better. So yeah, Doom Patrol, Titans. Mm-hmm. I I did watch like a season and a half. I, I yeah somewhere in season, and it's not what I want, but it's still you know I sit there going, oh, cool ish. I still sit there going, oh, Wonder Girl, awesome. You're mm-hmm. you're cool. Yeah. Damn. And, you know, Deathstroke and all that stuff, I'm kind of down for. But, uh, and like I mentioned, I like Stargirl quite a bit. I mean, Mm -hmm. definitely aimed at younger viewers, but not not in a a stupid kiddie way. It was like, this is better than the CW ones, which are definitely aimed at a particular audience. So I give them, you know, thumbs up. At the same time, I don't know if they're going to exist anymore. Do you, what do you know of anything about this this Green Lantern series that that may or may not have been uh, shut down? Do the only thing I know is, is that was going to focus on, I believe, Guy Gardner uh, mm-hmm. and John Stewart, mm-hmm. and the the they were going to make it not a police procedural, but they were going to focus on the core, which is you know what you should do. You've got an entire universe of cool Green Lanterns, though I understand you can't always have them like massive Green Lanterns. What threat can they fight week to week? But I think it was since it's a series, and I do like that we're leaning into long-form storytelling now where it's like we get to spend time with these people. We get to know them really well. Right. A two-hour movie, I mean, that's the reason why, like, the MCU shows like Hawkeye, and uh, I'm just like, I loved all of his little appearances in Avengers and so forth, but how much better is this that we yeah. finally get to know them and we get right. to spend a week with them or whatever. And it's like, yeah, this is great. So I, I think they were going to lean more into uh, like a, a good cop show. Here's them at home. Here's them on the job. And of course with crazy effects. Yeah. Cause you can do that shit now. <laughs> it's maybe be funny to have 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 like a Barney Miller vibe, with the Green Lantern Corps. <laughs> yeah. Wait, would uh, does that mean that arguments uh, around a coffee machine? Kilowog would be fish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm too old for this. <laughs> and he would still call people poozer all the time. Yeah, you poozer. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, and uh, maybe Nort would be uh, Wojohowitz. Man, that's I, I worry about my brain that I'm able to go Nort, Doggy Green Lantern. He could be Wojohowitz, the Pol- yeah. uh, Polish guy. <laughs> oh my God. This sounds like something that uh, a Butcher Billy should tack- tackle. Are you familiar with his artwork, uh-uh. Butcher Billy? Uh-uh. He, he's a he's a brilliant uh, pop culture artist who does mashups. Like he'll take a, a like a famous. Uh, rock star, I'm and then blend, him them, blend them with a superhero. He's oh, he he's got some great stuff. Um, but he he does weird things like oh, that. Oh man, well, yeah, he did a a Bowie Aladdin Sane Joker. Wow, yeah. look at that. There's a whole series of Bowie things he did. That's how I. That's how he came to my attention. Wow, that stuff is trippy. Yeah, yeah, he's he's got a lot of crazy stuff. 
Yeah, I'm just going to um, look at this. You just do what you yeah. need to do. <laughs> oh, man, he did Christian Bale as Patrick Bateman, but Captain America and said, called it American Psycho. God, that's great. Yeah, he's 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 a bottomless well of brilliant stuff like that. He's done a lot of... Is there, some, there is a Bowie book I've got somewhere that he did the cover for, but I don't know where it is. Man, anyway, I'm going um, to, yeah, just, I'm going to do this. You just do what you need to do. Yeah. <laughs> I've set you down a rabbit hole. Oh, sorry. Anyway, I, I, yeah. Looks Mr. Great. Jones. Um, <laughs> Come back, Mr. Jones. So, okay. So we, we touched a little bit on Sandman last week. The, so uh, great. The Netflix series. Yeah. I, I, I've never read that comic. Is it good? that is the series that i have probably bought rebought the most simply because they just keep coming out with nice versions like i had obviously the original okay i had the original floppies like the actual comics then i had the first trades that came out uh i don't have those anymore sold them or whatever uh various points uh because then they did the hard covers which were so gorgeous and I had those. Those are the ones I had Neil Gaiman sign when I met him and, and uh, at the uh, Brentano's years ago. And those are the ones that oh, the cool. U.S. mail um, lost. Oh, Ouch. No. Except for one that I had packed in another box completely. So I have one volume still signed to me by Neil Gaiman and the other nine. And then, um, then they you did just the- pretend they're behind your bookshelf. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Damn, I, those are they're somewhere behind there um he was so cool by the way totally great guy and then yeah. um cool. the um the absolute editions the really tall ones that are like leather bound i had to get those so i cool. bought sandman so many damn times what? well I, and i thought of it i thought of you when i was watching it because you, you and i it was around the time that death the high cost of living came out yeah um you and i were raving about that book at yes. how surprised as we usually did and just how much in love we were with death <laughs> well <laughs> i mean incredibly realized he character. writes her I, I mean it became a, a a trope in uh indie films and so forth the manic pixie dream girl um but neil was ahead of that curve because he did he wrote her as this and that's brilliant the take his take on death is she's full of life mm-hmm. and she's delightful and she loves her family of fucked up endless. Uh, and <laughs> she loves every person who she's taking to the other side. So she's adorable. And mm-hmm. she's drawn as a cute goth chick. Then in Death, the High Cost of Living, you get, oh, the artist. Why am I blanking? Oh, yeah. But uh, that was extremely fetching. Like, so yeah, I had a, t- don't worry about it. I'll figure it out. But yeah, we were guys in our twenties going, man, death is such cutie. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I saw that that was one of the scenes they put out before the series came out was the scene where she, um, they're, they're hanging out together and she goes to visit the violinist who, who has just died. And man. I said, that's perfect. Oh, Chris Bacalo. It was perfect. It was perfect. It was perfect. The thing is, is that people thing with casting announcements is, and I get it things that I've talked to John about this. There are, there is a segment of fandom that gets upset for the wrong reasons as an, 
man, I don't remember that person being African-American. I don't remember. <laughs> I mean, okay, that's horrible and whatever. The only thing I think it's not, it, it's explainable and somewhat understandable is comics are a visual medium. And if you have grown up with a particular character, they have been essentially drawn into your brain as a certain way. So whether if you're not coming at it from this like horrible racist or misogynist mm-hmm. viewpoint, it's just jarring. I remember Jason Momoa being cast as Aquaman and I'm like, this guy is built like a superhero, but Aquaman's this blonde dude. In fact, I was like, blonde hair is actually part of his part origin. Of right. I mean, literally, it's like they, they kicked him out of Atlantis because of the, the prophecy about, you know, uh, blonde hair means bad luck. Get rid of that guy. So I'm like, uh, okay. All right. And then I watch it and I'm like, well, not really my Aquaman, but I like that guy. So with all the casting on Sandman, Sometimes it's better that they really they shouldn't tell you ahead of time because then your people were just like going, "That's not death. Why yeah, are we? Like this, yeah. Why are we race flipping?" You watch it, and if you're a true fan, I'm sorry. If you she, love the material, how can you d- deny that performance? She was fantastic. Yeah, she was fantastic. She, she was exactly what I thought the character. And that would was be. what Neil Gaiman said. He's like going, yeah. I just. It's like they looked, they were looking for the character and that's yeah. all you should ever do. Right. And uh, that's the same thing with, um, with James Gunn and, uh, no, wait, was it? Uh, yes. For guardians three, they were getting on him about the casting of, of the high evolutionary. Who's the villain of guardians three uh, and yeah. cast an African-American actor who's in peacemaker. Um, that's right. and that's does right. a great job in Peacemaker, mm-hmm. and yep. and they're like, dude, high evolutionary is not a black guy, and he goes, it it does, it's not about him being a black guy. He goes, this is one of the best actors I've ever worked with, yeah. and the whole time I'm sitting there writing, and I'm like, going, I know who's going to kick this thing out of the fucking park. I think we already have our high evolutionary, and it is just like find somebody good, yeah. and that shuts people up, or it should. So in yeah. the case of Sandman, there's plenty of little things where I'm going, oh, I don't know if that's my take. Or I don't know if that's the original. And then you just let yourself go in that show. Mm-hmm. Everything worked. Like Cain and Abel, both of <laughs> whom are great in it. And you're like going, they're casting two Indian actors. To, mm-hmm. and, and you're like going, and they just are great as Cain and Abel. I'm like, yeah. I got no problems here, dude. Yeah. 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 Lucian? Lucian. The Perfect. lady who plays Lucian. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Man, and plus, how beautiful was that show? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, because I mean, there's a thing where I did say to John a little snarkily after like the first couple episodes is like, it is really good. I said, but it still shows how live action will never approach the drawn image because you have that freedom in a comic as an artist. There are breathtaking images in the comics that the show tries for. And you're like, ah, that's good. (laughs) That's good. It's close. Yeah. But, you know, you had stuff like the whole giant dream hand coming down and then like scooping mm-hmm. out an entire section of, of the landscape and pulling it up. And I'm like, God damn, there was a lot of stuff that they did that I was surprised. I didn't think we were going to see. I was like, are they going to, cause there's, there's some pretty edgy, like 
dark things yeah. and and especially well, in the nocturnes series well there's i guess the whole the whole span of Spam sandman that i was like are they gonna go this way well the whole like, thing is is a, they did. <laughs> i was behind in watching it because each episode was so uh filling i kept saying literally every episode i i, I know it's all available right there for me to mm-hmm. binge but i don't want to binge it it's like i was right. watching an episode a week Flooded. like a show wow. and jerry just rushed through it and john rushed through it and jerry's never read the comic so jerry he's um. he he sent me a text he's like going jesus christ this one episode <laughs> he's like i can't believe it and i wrote back to him i was like going did it take place in a diner? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he goes, yeah. I was like, going, yeah, I know. It's yeah. like when you know the comic, you're like, oh, are they going to go there? And they did. Yeah. They did that episode. They did the the serial killer convention. I mean, they. That, yeah. The, yeah. That it, the, the, one of the first, I think I can't remember which happened first, but the, the scene, this was far less gr- uh, gory than, than uh, the other things we're talking about, the diner scene. But uh, when he goes to hell, um, mm-hmm. and encounters his former lover yeah. who's he's in prison there. And I was like, that yeah. was one of the things I was thinking, no way they're going to do that. That was pretty, that was pretty vicious, but they did. Well, and it was exactly, thing, almost the, exactly like the comic thing where he turns and he sees a different person, uh, the way he appeared to her. Yes. Yes. You know, like fucking love it. That's what? No, they, they, they yeah. I mean, they, instead of the, the, I think the mindset in a lot of Hollywood is, especially when adapting comics is it's not about um, what can we include, but what can't we include. And I think with Sandman, they literally were like going, we want all of it. Mm-hmm. And they had to carve away things they couldn't do to get the moments they really wanted. But in most of the time, I think they're like going, they start out with the negative, like, we can't have all that shit, so we'll do that. It's like, okay, we'll have... We're not going to do Brainiac, but we'll do Luther. And you're like, why not do Brainiac? You know, I think it's that kind of thing. Where going, this is doable. No, don't start with that attitude. Put it all in there. Yeah. And and it was so lovingly done. And mm-hmm. and that's a writer that I had. Uh, who? Oh, God. Now i got to look up who was one of the. So I wasn't looking forward to. Uh, one of the creators on Sandman, the series, because I was like, that's not really um, a writer that I respect too much. Now I'm looking it up. Hang on. Oh, yeah. Goyer. Uh, you know, Goyer, I have a love-hate relationship with because he's dealt with a lot of superhero stuff. I mean, he did the Blade stuff, and he was a co-writer on Dark Knight the dark Knight trilogy. He's a little hacky, but I was impressed in the, says the guy who's doing a podcast from his studio apartment. Um, but the thing is, is that I was afraid of his Hollywood instincts. And then I watched how well they took multiple parts of the first run of Sandman uh, of several series wove them together so very well, including mm-hmm. things like how to approach the Jack Kirby Sandman thing that Gaiman did in the comics, where it's like two of his former dream beings, uh, since he was locked up, they gave his power or gave a sense of power to um, a guy 
um, who happened to be the son of uh, the Golden Age Hawkman and uh, Hawkgirl. And he was Jack Kirby's Sandman, the superhero version. And this one, it's uh, it's given to the little brother of of Rose. And it's like, oh, that's great. Oh, that's clever. The way they did that, it's like, we're still keeping that storyline, but we're just flipping it a little bit to where it ties in seamlessly with everything else. I loved it. Mm-hmm. How are they going to dance around the D- the DCU parts? Because Lyda Hall is a character in there. She's the wife of that person who became Jack Kirby Sandman. And she herself is the daughter of the Golden Age Wonder Woman and Steve Trevor. Oh. Uh, and she married the son of Hawkman and Hawkgirl. That's orig- and that was Gaiman pulling them into his Sandman universe. Yeah. Well, she's named Lyda Hall in the TV show. She wasn't a former superhero uh, because she was one called the Fury, but she looks like she could have been Wonder Woman's daughter. And when she sees her dead husband, uh, and that's canonical in, in even in the, the Sandman comics, he looks like he could be the son of the Hawkman from Black Adam because they have ch- changed his race. So you have this uh, black guy being Carter Hall. I mean, not Carter Hall. What's his name? It's something Hall. But anyway, her husband... Uh, Hector, Hector Hall, and they keep his name right. So in other words, it's not like this is a multiverse version of of the story that happened in the comics. And so all that stuff just blended together for the nerds. They didn't erase anything. They just sort of changed some things around. And I just loved it. I was like, you didn't need to include that. You didn't need to do an entire episode devoted to Hob, the immortal, but you did. And I loved every minute of it. Oh, I'm God, like, that was God. my favorite. Yeah, because, oh, gosh, that was so good. Well, um, everything is also informing his character. Like you mentioned, yeah. that one scene in hell. I mean, Dream is uh, aloof, and and I think the guy did a great job. He looked right, and he played it right. Uh, but the thing is that is not a warm and cuddly hero character. And you see his flaws in the comic very well. Cause he, mm-hmm. he did that. Yeah. But in the show, they give you plenty of moments like that. And that makes you not like him so very much. And mm-hmm. you have his sister constantly needling about like, cheer the fuck up, dude. And then you have the moments with Hob where you're like, that softens him because he does have a friend even though for a long time he refuses to admit that Hob is his friend. Yeah. Why do you keep meeting with him every hundred years? It's not just for the experiment. He's still just alive. It's like, no, yeah. you like hanging with the guy. He's your yeah. buddy. Yeah. I'm like, God, I love this. That whole, that whole story, that alone, that's, that's the thing I love about, the, I loved about the Sandman then. And I love them realizing it now is that it's like a bunch of little vignettes mm-hmm. kind of woven together in this beautiful tapestry. And the series just captures that so well. And and to that point, that bonus episode that dropped. I couldn't believe they did that. And that, that, that was another one of the best. Beautifully done. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that just shows you like, we, we can do anything with this show. We're going to do all of it (laughs) and and it's going to be amazing. So you know, what's really terrible. Critics love it. Right. And I think it's numbers are really high, not Wednesday high, but high. I still can't believe I liked Wednesday. It was fun. 
but I can't believe that thing is like the most viewed thing on Netflix ever. I'm like, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. It's cute. And I think Tim Burton did a fine job. It's not going to blow your mind. And I think the, the young actress they cast is perfect. And Gwendolyn Christie, who played Lucifer uh, Mm -hmm. in, in Sandman, she's over in Wednesday playing a character. Great. Good to see her. Love her. Um, But the whole thing is me sitting there going, why what's shameful is Neil Gaiman and basically everyone online saying, Hey guys, go on Twitter and keep telling Netflix to bring us back. And I know that Sandman must've been a very expensive show yeah, uh, because they, it looks so good, but wow, you should not have to do a grassroots campaign to go. We sure would like to come back for a second season. It should be a no brainer. I know. Keep Sandman going till you get to the fucking end. Until Morpheus gets killed and Daniel comes uh, into being. Well, I hope. I hope now that that Gunn is the head of DC, maybe he can pull some strings, if or maybe he could just say it shall be. You know, I don't know how much control he has over that. Particular I think. I think he. IP. I mean, it really is more Netflix because I know yeah. for a fact that Warner Brothers and DC would be like, "Oh, please do keep that well, going." I think. I think. Uh, Somebody asked him in that. It's like if 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 you were offered the opportunity to continue the series on HBO Max or something else, would you do it? And he says, of course, <laughs> something yeah. along those lines. So I, I think and, it'll be I fine. Mean, and actually, that's the kind of thing that you can't rule out either. It's been done. It's It sounds yeah. so weird to think, but um, like shows can... has moved around. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that it does go back. That's, that's happened way in the past as well. But you still sit there going... Uh, I love the idea that like an entire production company, an entire production staff, it's like, guys, we're just going to keep going, but now we're going to be CBS. Yeah. 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 We can't have boobs in the show anymore. We're now on CBS or whatever, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. It's best the memo around. No boobs. Yeah. <laughs> Did you get the no boobs memo? Oh, <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> oh, now you tell me. And it's someone walking by topless. Oh, <laughs> Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm so the, the, the cold. One, what's that? I, I'm so cold. You mean I can put a sweater on now? <laughs> oh, thank God! Thank you, CBS. <laughs> the the one thing that, that, as far as casting, it wasn't really the casting thing. Um, and this is really bound up in my experience with Doctor Who, which unfortunately I think is probably true with a lot of people who watch this show. Uh, Jenna Coleman coming in as Constantine. Yeah. Uh, I love Jenna Coleman and I, I don't mind that they changed her gender. I don't mind that they changed the pronunciation of her name. Although of course we don't, we can't hear people pronouncing the name in the comic, but it's like, come on, it's Constantine. But Jenna came in and she was essentially just Clara from, to me, it was basically the same character as, as Dr. I didn't Who. get that. So I don't know. It was a no, little, I, it was a little, it kind of pulled me out of it a little bit. The characters aren't similar at all. Cause Clara's, I mean, she had some badass moments, but, but this is clearly a badass person. Sure. Uh, so I didn't experience that. I, I mean, I, I managed to get past it, but I was like, but it, okay. My problem <laughs> was just that the change was primarily just because of rights and that that's a little sad i mean Mm -hmm. i don't want her not to have the work because just like you i love that lady she's great yeah and 
I, I thought what it was going to be because they announced that early also. Well, I was like, well, they're just going to have her be Lady Joanna, Joanna, uh, Constantine, his ancestor who is in Sandman, who is a mm-hmm. woman. And I was like, oh, it'll they, just be, they did do that. Yeah. Yeah. But instead she's, she is John. I mean, yeah. she's just, and so that's why I'm like, okay, this is multiverse mm-hmm. because if you remember like the first, Set or no, maybe the second issue or third of Sandman is literally him going to the Justice League. <laughs> I mean, uh, because his um, he's looking that. for his ruby, and it was in the hands of Doctor D, Doctor Destiny, who is who David Thewlis played, right? Who right. is a Justice League villain, mm-hmm. and he ends up encountering the Martian Manhunter in that issue, and the Martian Manhunter sees him as the Martian God of Dreams. So when he looks at him, he looks like Hronmir or whatever the name is. And he's like, oh, you're a Martian. Huh, that's weird. I didn't think there were any of you left. And Martian Manor is like going, I'm it. And are you really the god of dreams? Uh, Hronmir goes, well, yeah, that's what you guys think of me as. Where's my ruby? So, I mean, all that <laughs> stuff can't end up in a show where I knew they weren't going to have the Justice League. I knew there'd be no superhero talk. So this is multiversal. And I'm like, that's John Constantine there. Mm-hmm. And I still love John Constantine, but they sold me on Jana. Sure, why not? Yeah, and in the closest we've ever gotten to canonically is the the dude from the CW shows. Uh because other than that, we had Keanu Reeves. John John <laughs> John loves that. that John loves yeah. that movie so much. And he's excited <sighs> about the upcoming sequel. They're yeah. doing a sequel. Oh, really? Yeah, and I'm like, great. The American mm. John Constantine, the dark haired American John Constantine, who sounds like Keanu Reeves. Awesome. Yeah, that series was surprise. Uh, was it on NBC or something like that? No, nah, it was one of the main CW. networks. Was it, no, was it CW? CW? Okay. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was originally on one of the other networks, but and then they brought him, they brought him in. Um, they, they rescued him from that canceled show and brought him into the CW shows. But that, that show was surprising. Oh, the original. Yeah. Yeah. That show was surprisingly uh, gritty, and uh, yeah, and you know. there was a scene where he goes into his like pad, and there's Doctor Fate's helmet on the shelf. I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, and then I pushed my glasses up my nose, uh, and um, my neighbors banged on the wall to tell me to shut up. <laughs> you don't understand. It's Doctor Fate's helmet. <laughs> it's the helmet of Naboo. A Lord I, of Order. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember people complaining. I saw some people complaining too about they thought that uh, Patton Oswalt's um, Raven, Matthew, or, the Raven, Matthew, Matthew was too much. I was like, I thought it was great. I'm, I'm glad, and I was happy that they brought him in because he was from an, uh, a later series, right? Was it? Well, they they brought him in earlier into the in the story than he was originally in the comics. Oh yeah, um, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I mean, Matthew is from it was Swamp great. Thing. That's right. Yeah. Matthew was Abby's boyfriend, the abusive alcoholic boyfriend who dies in Mm -hmm. a car crash and then gets turned into dreams, new Raven. And they do, they do. He does allude to that. It's like, Oh yeah, I died in a car crash. So they could still, I mean, I really hope they do. They they actually, I I mean, I I think casting a Patton Oswalt is both smart and not, I mean, talk about taking you out a little bit. Patton is so Patton. And God bless. But I did notice that other than him being sort of the voice of reason and also we're the he's the audience because he's like going, oh, this is crazy stuff. Yeah. 
that's a necessary character thing. And, mm-hmm. and he didn't go comedy. It wasn't like, Oh, you're going to be like the bird and lion king. <laughs> it's like, it wasn't, yeah. it was like, you're now a comedic side character. He got some good funny lines in, but he's literally sitting there going like, so what are you going to do about this whole, um, Dr. Destiny or, you know, John D thing. He's like, uh, well, we'll figure it out. I was like, all those people had to die. Yeah. It was their time. Jeez. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. He's just very earnest. And I thought that's great. Like the scene in hell where he's down there and he, I forget our char- the character's name, who, who, who he had, who he had imprisoned down there and the original yeah. comic, Matthew's not there with him. Right. That's but right. We get, we get his reaction. Like, dude, seriously. Yeah, and that is a necessary thing. Yeah. Because it's like, you could release her now. And he's like, I'm not over it yet. And you're like, God damn it. But that kind of hints towards, it gives gives the audience a little bit more wiggle room because it kind of hints to the fact that, okay, there, there is a character arc here for Dream. Mm-hmm. That he's, you know, he, he, he has some really, really serious issues, but he's going to work through them. And Matthew kind of offers that levity, like, uh, I think maybe, maybe that wasn't the right decision. Maybe. Well, what I, yes. <laughs> and what I love is um, he really has uh, this support group behind him, which is true in the comics, too. Yeah. When you watch yeah. it in the series, it becomes more apparent. Lucian is trying very hard to keep everything together and believes in Morpheus, even when Morpheus is doing stupid mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. You know, you got Merv Pumpkinhead. I mean, I'm like, they put <sighs> Merv Pumpkinhead in there. Mark Hamill. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, and, and it's all the, the creatures of the dreaming basically saying like, we just need you back, man. We need you to focus on what you used to do. Get past all your, you know, revenge stuff, get your stuff back calm down and put the dreaming back in order. And uh, yeah, I love that shit. Again, um, Stephen Fry as, as Fiddler's green Fiddler's green. And Come I on. mean, perfect casting. Mm-hmm. What do you, you get? What the scene of, of him and Rose on their road trip, driving down to Florida. I'm like, I just want more of all of this. No, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I thought um, as far as adaptations go. And again, you can see things that were changed. But this is just like I say to John, MCU, when they change things, it's always smart. Mm-hmm. That was true in Wakanda forever. You're like, every change you made made sense, made sense for the MCU, but also works. And it's not arbitrary. Every change to the source material that Sandman did worked and also had Gaiman's blessing where he's like, oh, that's a clever I mean, he was in on all of this. He's like going, oh, I never would have thought of that. That's great the way you guys did that. Perfect. And you're like going, yeah. I mean, it's not the Bible. So how close do you need to be to it? Well, any change you make can't seem arbitrary. And a lot of that CW stuff and a lot of the DC stuff does feel that way because there are changes for other reasons than uh, making it better. There's changes for convenience, money. We need a big name. That person's totally wrong for it. Doesn't matter. Put them in because they're a big name, blah, blah, blah. That's the kind of stuff that they didn't do with Sandman. So I was, as a fan of the comic, fan of Neil Gaiman, completely all in on Sandman. Yeah. And what a what a delight because of after so many years of them trying to develop it and so many things you heard that were nightmare stories. Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, in, he he's very frank in interviews. He's like going, 
he goes, it's not like they ever stopped. Like every few months I'd get another draft of a screenplay that Warner Brothers would send me. And it was something like, oh, what if it's uh, what if Sandman is what if Morpheus is now like a, a detective? And you're like, yeah. what the fuck are you talking about? And there was a story that he revealed. I don't know if this was a new r- revelation. I think he told the story on Twitter. It was the same dude that uh, that was trying to make uh, Superman lives. And and put the, the whole thing with them wanting them wanting the mechanical spider. <laughs> oh, Superman uh, Lives, which yeah. eventually wound up in Wild West. I forget that, that producer's name. John Apparently, Peters. Yeah, at at some point he was connected with an effort with Sandman, and somehow Neil Gaiman Neil managed to wrestle it away from him somehow by putting his foot down. But Thank it was God. Thank yeah, God. but, but it, was just, it was the same Sandman. thing. Like I think I think the mechanical spider came up again. Oh sure, of course. <laughs> um. I, now here's Thank where God I that didn't happen. Please say yes, but if you haven't, I understand. A friend of mine, a different John, who sadly is no longer with us, uh, John Schnepp. So you did see his documentary? I bought it. Yeah, I think oh, you. Okay, good. I think you told me about it uh, when it was coming good, out. Good. And I I bought the digital download version of it. Yeah. When he first when it first came out, loved it. Yeah, I loved, loved it. it too. And the, the thing that I told him when I finally got, because I knew he was working on it for a long time, but I, I just didn't know what was what shape it would take. And then I watched it, and I was like, you know, the one thing that I really came away with from that is we we kind of dodged a bullet because John Peters is is like you say mm-hmm. his interviews with John Peters were just nuts it's everything you've ever heard about the guy and you're like going he had no take he thinks he knows this character and he doesn't he has Mm -hmm. the worst take imaginable but at the end of it i said the biggest thing i took away from it is i'm pretty sure i wouldn't have liked tim burton's superman movie but your documentary at least convinced me that would have been very interesting i was like that would have been a very interesting misfire and i kind of wish it had happened just because I'm, I'm like looking at those Brainiac ship designs and all this stuff, and and you hear, you see Nicolas Cage and the costume fitting and all that stuff. I'm like going, this would have been the weirdest. Yeah, man. Anyway, um, so R.I.P. John, but that was great. And the idea of John Peters, just assuming because he had a huge hit with Batman, that's what we're going to do with all these DC properties. It's like that Kevin Smith thing where he's, you know, done that story a million times, but the whole thing like going, you know why I know you're the right man for this, uh, for this job. (laughs) He's talking, Peters is talking to, uh, and he's going, because, uh, you and I, we're from the streets. (laughs) (laughs) And you just have Kevin Smith going like, I'm a suburban kid from Jersey, man. I don't know what you're talking about. And he goes, also from the streets. He goes, yeah, that's why you get Superman. I'm like what? Yeah. <laughs> it's a, the whole thing is such a weird story. You got Kevin Smith and Tim Burton in the same tale. Yeah. You know, this movie that never got. And, and I've read Nick Cage. I have read Kevin Smith's drafts or at least one of them. And um, I love that guy. And I know he loves the material and knows it well, but it mm. would have been a disaster. Really? Yeah. He, he, it's so talky in a Kevin Smith way. There's a scene, you know, it's got, but I think this was John Peter saying like, I want a scene with uh, Superman right. on the, on the couch. 
talking yeah. to a psychiatrist. <laughs> right. He's like, oh, God, okay. Mechanical spider, polar bears, seen with a psychiatrist, perfect. But he does have it open with uh, Superman taking down Deathstroke, by the way. That was a pretty okay. cool opening. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite things about it, there's so many great things in that documentary, but just watching the interviews with Tim Burton going like, yeah, they're talking about Peter's like, yeah, like I was crazy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I was so, again, that that's amazing to me, but I was so jealous. And I told them to their face, John and Holly, they were a couple up until John's uh, passing, but uh, Holly's a good friend of mine. I was like going, you guys got to go to Tim Burton's house in London or whatever. And just, it looks like a Tim Burton house, like in that interview, this gothic thing. And he's got weird display cases and stuff. And he's just sunk in like a velvet chair and he's got his shades on. I'm like, that's exactly what I want from Tim Burton yeah. sitting in the shadows, wearing sunglasses in his dark house and being a nerd talking yeah. about how fucked up his movie would have been. Yeah. Yeah. But it's because, oh, well. uh, Holly, she, she has uh, seen the show. She is. Oh, she is. No! She has given her blessing to prodigious apps. Um, Thank you, Holly. We yeah. love you. And she she did said something really nice about John. They said John would have loved that you were doing this, and oh. he, would, he would have wanted to chime in as a chime. Well, what said. we're doing is a very low key, yeah, uh, friend chatty version of what he used to do, yeah. on Collider. Did you ever watch that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, and I, I I was a huge fan of his. Uh, the whole Collider team, I loved. Um, most of them anyway, the, the main heads, you know, yeah. uh, Campia, Christian Harloff and John Schnepp were the, th- the three big hearts in that, yeah. in that show. Yeah. And Schnepp was fantastic. Well, I mean, that's exactly, that's exactly who he was as in, I always, the thing is, even though he worked in the ent- entertainment industry, I always respected the fact that John just spoke his mind. Like even me, if I met, I was just kind of shit talking David Goyer. If I met him, I would, of course, just be, oh, and very nice to meet you because it's the instinct. It's like that person is successful. So I'm going to be, I, that guy, John had no fear of those people. And he would tell them to their face, like, dude, that, that Green Lantern, if he walked up to, you know, Ryan Reynolds, <laughs> it'd be just like, but he knows Ryan Reynolds would say, but that Green Lantern movie is total shit, man. <laughs> I, he, his opinions, he would just state and he would back him up. Um, but the thing is just like he wasn't coming from it from a troll perspective because the things he loved, that guy would gush for hours. In mm-hmm. other words, he, just like us, that kind of a fan where it runs deep and the enthusiasm, he's not worried about people judging you're a nerd because he was embracing that. And the whole thing about being sweaties, which was, you know, he coined yeah. that, you know, it's yeah. like, and he's just like going, no, that's what we are. And, and it, just like I said, this stuff matters, mattered to John. Yeah. And that's my favorite conversations with him were stuff that would have driven anybody else insane. And even Holly occasionally would kind of <laughs> fade after a while because he would just be sitting there going, no, man, no, that is an easy out. Phantom Zone is an easy out or whatever it would be. And it would just be like after you know two hours of it, it's like, man, I can't do that anymore. I just can't. Um, so John would have been on here in a second. I it would we could have had him as a guest anytime because yeah. the man's love was pure, and uh, I just you know yeah mm, gets me right there. He should it be was, with us still. It because there was so much time between his documentary coming out and when he was on Collider. I'd 
when I, when I, uh, there was this happy moment when I realized, Oh, that's, that's, that's John. That's the guy who yeah. made the documentary. It was like, yeah. this is so cool. Yeah. Uh, and you know, by the way, I disagreed with him plenty. We weren't but, always lockstep on things. Yeah. Um, you know what we should do for this episode of our show in the links underneath it? Make sure you yeah. put a link to his documentary, like where they Absolutely. can buy it. Because mm-hmm. um, if you guys haven't seen, um, oh my God, it's a long title. The Death of Superman the, Lives, right? The Yes. Oh boy, that's a bad look. It's just a long title. <laughs> uh, it's like The Death of Superman Lives something. Yeah. Um, I'm looking it up. Don't worry. But it is for one thing, a great documentary uh, about something that was known and it's called the death of Superman lives. What happened? There you go. That's the there full you go. title. Okay. But, um, he, he, uh, it's a documentary about something that everyone had heard of, but didn't have all the info things that didn't happen. I love that stuff. I also liked that documentary doomed about the Roger Corman, fantastic four movie, because that's a real heartbreaker. Uh, I need to see that. I've seen, well, the documentary is the fun, documentary, yeah. but I, I've also of course seen the Roger, you know, cause it's been bootlegged um, for a million years. That Roger Corman, fantastic four. is <laughs> That is something else, man. And that's probably what they're doing. I think the uh, the D- the Marvel Cinematic Universe's multiverse will probably have those actors show back up. <laughs> like, oh my God, we're we're actually officially canon. Hi, everybody. <laughs> oh. Anyways, oh, I need to I need to get. I'm meeting my my brother and my mom for a belated Christmas. Get together. Uh, oh wow! You guys didn't do a Christmas Christmas get together. Well, my brother lives in uh, my brother lives in Pre- my brother lives in Austin now um, with his fiance. Hey, so, congrats! Yeah. I saw those pictures of you guys at the ceremony honoring your dad. That was really cool. Yeah, that was that was fantastic. And I, I hope that uh, and I saw you at the podium giving a, a, a little talk. And I hope you put in some of my jokes that I was giving you. <laughs> Really, the the one about the nun that one kills uh, kills every time. The one yeah. about the the penguin with the prolapse anus that <laughs> one always. Oh my god, <laughs> it's, a joke. it's a joke. Yeah, damn it, so missed opportunity. <laughs> missed opportunity. Well, tell your brother who I don't think I've ever met. I don't think you have. Yeah, tell him I said hi. Tell your mom I said hi. We've met. Yep, I've eaten food out of her fridge before and yes i, yeah, I think Thanksgiving i owe her some. one time yeah it's been wonderful yeah. um but uh have a wonderful time and uh let's do this again next week what do you think sounds good man all right until then godspeed john glenn <laughs> what it's you know right stuff the right stuff okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> why not I, I say it often john, <laughs> godspeed john glenn just so i can get the weird looks from people going <laughs> That's what I love. Uh, all right, see you, man.